welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. evening and welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Jeff Bowling. And I'm Ryan Shaddy. On tonight's episode of Blooming Out, we have our featured music, your weekly LGBTQ plus news roundup, and the local LGBTQ event calendar. But first, we are going to be introducing the three newest members of our Blooming Out team. Grace Thumpster is a freshman at Indiana University studying audio engineering and sound design. She is also known for quoting Jurassic Park line for line. Catherine Della Rosa is a sophomore studying journalism and theater. And one time, she ate from the same pad thai bowl as Jesse Eisenberg. Pretty impressive. Angel Ains is a freshman studying international studies. Angel can kick over the top of anyone's head who is under five foot eleven. Thank you, all three of you, for being here this evening. Wow, welcome. I'm impressed with all of those statistics. <laughs> well, Taekwondo can work wonders. <laughs> you, are, you all three are, are joining our team, and, and we couldn't be excited to have you aboard. Um, the first thing that, that we want to ask, and we ask all of our volunteers, is, uh, and, and because we are an LGBTQ uh, radio show, is what do you identify it as? And Angel, we'll start with you on that answer. All right. Well, um, I identify on the asexual spectrum and as panromantic, and yeah. <laughs> awesome. And uh, do you, uh, what, what pronouns do you use? Uh, I use she and her. Awesome. Catherine? I'm just a regular lesbian who's a she and her <laughs> grace i use she and her pronouns and i am pansexual awesome great so um what what do we have in terms of relationships going on right now is there any relationships uh, that we should know about any anything that that uh you want to talk about oh lord <laughs> uh, i have a boyfriend of about 10 months now yeah Great. I'm alone. <laughs> forever alone. Yeah. Maybe not forever. No one. Probably. No. Just okay. a joke. Just a joke. Angel, anything to report? Well, <laughs> that's where things get complicated. I've got several prospects. Let's say that. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what did you, all three of you, and, and we've discussed uh, at length the way we came to figure out our sexuality, uh, but how did you all come to figure out your own sexuality? Tumblr. Whoever wants to start. <laughs> well, um, personally for me, it was never an issue of feeling like I couldn't come out. But um, I think just from society and how um, sexuality is portrayed, I just kind of always assumed I was straight until I realized that liking women wasn't because I wanted to look like them, but because I was actually attracted to them. So um, I... I really came out when I started dating my first girlfriend when I was 16, so that's kind of how I came out. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay. Uh, I went to Catholic school in Kentucky, so I came out the second I stepped onto this campus. Yeah. So like, there's not really like an interesting life journey there, in my opinion. It was just like 
Catholicism. I mean, I stopped being Catholic when I was like 12 because I thought it was really cool. So <laughs> I didn't have any sort of existential dread. It was just like being in a high school class, graduating class of 40 people and just, you know, waiting to be free. And here I am. Well, um, I kind of discovered my sexuality on accident. Uh, I didn't really know there was a word for it. I just kind of thought it was more of a late bloomer or something. I didn't really know what was wrong with me. So I was just like, yeah, I'll, it'll come eventually. But um, then I was browsing YouTube one night and you know how uh, educational YouTube can be sometimes. And I figured out there's a word for how I feel about everybody, which is, you know, just general distaste. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 but no, um, and I figured out also that romantic orientation and sexual orientation were two different things. So that really made me realize, oh, okay, so I can still like people without having to have that uh, sexual aspect of the relationship. And so, yeah, YouTube. I, I, <laughs> nice. I have a nephew who is um, 16, um, born um, niece, mm -hmm. but now a, a nephew and the um, identification is pan romantic. Mm -hmm. And explain that to me. Just like I, you know, don't have sex. Um, I'm attracted to both male and female. Like, okay, that I I understand. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's one of those things that uh, we're, we're we're showing everybody uh, that there are uh, broad spectrum. There is a broad spectrum, rather, sure. uh, on 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 the. Uh, on sexuality and um, many people don't hear all of the voices that there really are out there and so it's nice to have uh, some new voices on the show who who can uh, actually um, tell those tell yeah. those uh, stories well we've been saying for a long time that we should be a mirror of our community because that's what we do here we're we we do you know community um, we we talk about what is going on in our community and and the community is not just limited to Bloomington or even Indiana for that matter. But mm -hmm. that is something that um, we're really, really happy to have you all here. Any issues with uh, your family or parents uh, in, in explaining your sexuality to them? Um, I mean, I didn't really like ever come out, so to speak. I just kind of am. And, um, <laughs> I don't know. I've never like tried to sit down and sit down and explain it to them. So, I, I don't know. I guess it's kind of a. I'm technically in the closet, but I mean, if they'll listen to this, they'll know what I am. So, <laughs> I'm not gonna hide it, but I'm not gonna like make it a. I'm not gonna like come out, quote sure. unquote, because I just rather you know have it be, have it yeah. be what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, for me, I never really had any problems with you know family or anything because they were all pretty um accepting and liberal views and stuff like that but i did kind of need to explain some of the things to them which they were open to um you know as far as gender and sexuality go they were um they just didn't know so much as not accept it but mm -hmm. um i think that's just like kind of part of moving forward in the world is just explaining to people who don't understand and yeah yeah mm -hmm. half the battles is educating and mm -hmm. and just opening people's minds and a lot of times that's all it takes is just to explain 
Um, I'm kind of where Angel is, except that my parents are Catholics from the Philippines, so it's like somewhat scarier. But yeah, I'm just gonna let it happen. We'll see. My um, I used to live with my aunt and uncle, not necessarily my parents, but they're Catholic too. So mm-hmm. I kind of relate to you on that. But I'm kind of, I mean, like I'm away from them now. Mm-hmm. I was like, I've kind of just, you know, taken on my independence, and so I'm just like, I'm not a, I'm not um. I'm not gonna like hide who I am because it's my life now, and like you know, I'm not under their roof. So, and they always, ho- ho- every parent like always pulls that under my roof. You'll abide by my rules. So I didn't really challenge anything while I was mm-hmm. living with them. But now it's like you know, that, why shouldn't I be? That me? must be really difficult hearing that. Um, under you know, it it that takes on a different, a, a, a totally different. Um, uh, expression when when you hear your parents say you're going to live by my rules Mm -hmm. now that means you know i mean some parents are saying and you are going to deny who you are we don't want to hear about it Mm -hmm. and i'm sure some people out there you know that's that's what they've heard from from parents and and such you know you know and, and each of us have uh problems and with with the whole coming out thing and individual problems grace you may not have had anything major but uh you know if you think about uh, what may have happened during high school or, or or bullying or anything like that does anything come to mind to you um well i was extremely fortunate in my school situation because i actually went to a performing arts high school in downtown st paul minnesota so like it couldn't get any more liberal but um Yeah, so I, other than, you know, casual street harassment, you know, if you walk down certain streets holding someone of the same sex's hand, there there are, like, very uh, small instances when I've dealt with that. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's something that's still coming along in the world, obviously. But, uh, yeah. So, so for people who are, are listening, um, just t- to get some perspective as far as understanding um, generation, uh, what what age are, are you all? Um, I'm 19. Uh-huh. I'm 19. I'm 18. Okay. So we have a, a real gender, uh, not gender, sorry, a real age gap, generation gap between. Sure. That's what I was going with the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get there, you'll get there. A, a real generation gap uh, between um, the oldest of, of our crew and the youngest. A, a generational difference, I would like to, to use that, <laughs> that term, Ryan. Then that's fine. Um, but we can see how far along we've moved and yeah. progressed mm-hmm. yeah. uh, by having these three on from the time that we were in, in school and from even, you know, between me and you. Sure. Even sure. I don't think that there was so much difference between you and I in terms of bullying and that sort of thing. No. But no. That... from me to them, mm-hmm. it's a whole different story. It, it seems mm-hmm. like uh, there's a lot more accepting going on in the world. Mm-hmm. However, we just saw uh, at Bloomington High School North right. this week. Right. Um, yesterday, in fact, mm-hmm. uh, where mm-hmm. kids are going around wearing the Confederate flag oh, and Lord. bullying LGBT students. Mm-hmm. So, in, uh, our, in our own community, there are problems that still exist. How do you three uh, think that it's it's best fit to solve these issues that are still going on, uh, not only in our community necessarily, but your own that you each come from? Right. I think. 
across the board, the root of s the solution is in education because there are still a lot of people that are taught, you know, that homosexuality is bad and, um, you know, there are people that come from racist families and grow up racist and that sort of thing, as well as any other sort of, you know, bigotry. But um, I definitely, like, through educating myself, um, you know, online in like LGBT spaces, as well as um, from friends, I learned a lot more than I would have from my regular school education and the education you get from just like growing up in your family. So I think a lot of it is personal responsibility or at least um, you need a push from someone to start looking into this education and opening your horizons more, which I think needs to start earlier with mm -hmm. young kids. I agree with you 100% on that. I think education is uh, really the main way to like battle um, ignorance because when people like lash out and like do things like harassment and you know and violent things or mm -hmm. just bullying in general whether it's violent or not it's out of an insecurity that comes from mm -hmm. fear and misunderstanding you know you don't understand it it's different and because it's different because you don't understand it you're afraid of it and if you can educate yourself on that or get educated on that at a younger age get acclimated to it then it's not strange to you and you know mm -hmm. whether or not you choose to you know accept that based on you know moral grounds or personal belief or whatever you can still understand you can still understand it and you know coexist with it peacefully let's think about this a little bit uh the confederate flag was not banned in um in, in north for 10 years after uh south had it banned so south uh, bloomington south had the had the flag banned in 2006 and Edgewood High School, the other large high school in this county, uh, has has had that ban as well. And the reason that North doesn't is because um, they are a very welcoming, a very open, uh, a very um, well-educated and diversity uh, school. Uh, their principal is very adamant about having a wide range of opinions and everybody can have one as long as it doesn't disrupt the school day. Now, the reason that it was banned yesterday is because it started disrupting the school day. Are we at the point where uh, students your age are getting the message or are they really, uh, are they really still on the, on the, on the cusp of uh, not being completely there but um, needing a little bit more education maybe? There's definitely a large um, demographic of people our age who aren't at that place yet. And I think that the first step, especially in that kind of situation, is realizing that to not ban something like the Confederate flag is not to, you know, keep diversity open. It's very closed off, just supporting racism. And there's no reason it should be allowed anywhere. It should be banned in all schools and all public places at this point, honestly. Um, it's just not an acceptable thing to keep out there. My point between the, the pride flag and the Confederate flag is the pride flag is not used to um, discriminate mm -hmm. in, and it's not used to, um, to leave out, to act, 
you know, to exclude. Thank you. Exclude. That's the word I was looking for. You Um, say that, but there are so many people who attack, uh, who, who say that wearing that is an attack on their, on their beliefs. So, and, and you and I, I think all five of us in here, uh, agree that that's not the case, but that's not the way those folks see it. Mm. Oh, well, the way that they're seeing it is probably the reason that they're seeing it as an attack is because they're, they come from a community that's very closed or their opinion has just never been challenged, which, you know, if your opinion has never been challenged, you're probably from a pretty closed, like-minded community, which, you know, isn't inherently a bad thing, but in this world, whether wherever you go, people are going to think differently from you because people are going to have different life experiences mm-hmm. from you, different educations from you. And I think part of um, learning to, learning to, uh, how do I put this? Behave, learning to behave, learning to treat others with respect in this world is to understand that just because someone holds a different opinion from you, that's not a direct attack on yours. People are allowed to think differently without it being um, a challenge or, or not, not, not a challenge, without it being a, a negative thing towards you. Well, well we, we knew this, was, this conversation was going to spark a lot of <laughs> lot uh, more conversation, and we want to get back to this and continue <laughs> talking about this um, because there is a lot going on in the world, and a lot of it the magnifying glass is focused on our community right Mm -hmm. now. So it's important to talk about. Um, Right now, though, we're going to take a a quick music break, our first music break of the evening. Um, Give you guys, everyone, all a chance to to think about everything and mull things over and uh, decide what else we want to talk about. (laughs) So the first music break of the evening is... um, uh, recently, we we lost a um, a singer of a uh, '80s band, and it's not just that he was a singer of an '80s band, but um, Pete Burns um, from the the group Dead or Alive um, uh, died at the age of 57 this this week. And in a in a statement on Twitter, his manager said, "It is with the greatest sadness that we have to break this tragic news that our beloved Pete Burns of Dead or Alive died suddenly of a massive cardiac arrest." Burns founded Dead or Alive in 1980, but went on to feature uh, in several reality television shows in later life. Most of those, I think, were in the UK. Um, his death comes just days before the band's compilation album, Sophisticated Boom Boom. 2016 was due to be released and this is due to be released tomorrow on the 28th Um, he had a huge hit um, with you spin me round um, like a record baby if if people remember that Uh, later in life he underwent several plastic surgery operations he previously said I hope when I'm 80 God doesn't recognize me (laughs) in memory of Pete Burns here is dead or alive and their huge hit from the album Youthquake You spin me around.
And this is Blooming Out on WFHB. You just listened to Dead or Alive's hit song, You Spin Me Round, in memory of the bisexual frontman, Pete Burns, here on Blooming Out. Um, we're back here in the studio with our newest additions to Blooming Out. Catherine, Grace, and Angel, our newest Blooming Out volunteers. We are so excited to have you all here. We're speaking with them tonight about why they got involved in the show and finding out more about their their lives but that is something that i would like to to know more about is what what made you decide to volunteer for blooming out um, um, let's start with yeah all right with, with um that's great oh i'm sorry grace <laughs> i'm going back no problem <laughs> um for myself i wanted to get more involved in the lgbt community around bloomington or campus or wherever i could um because I'm very, I'm, I'm obviously a pretty big advocate for um, LGBT rights and stuff like that. But I also, I saw the, um, I saw the advertisement for the volunteering uh, positions, and it just sounded like such a great opportunity because um, I'm very interested in radio and especially being in audio engineering. It's um, something that is of great interest to me as well as like the music and things like that um i just thought it would be a pretty great experience to have and to help out with um this show that is a big part of the lgbt community thank you Catherine. um i'm already in, i'm involved with another uh podcast and radio show it's a it's a student podcast called american student radio and we broadcast from wiux so i wanted experience on another show in another you know station because i i only understand radio from the lens of wux the house with all the boards and hosts all sit in one place it's just you know it's a different landscape to work in and i do want to produce radio or at least like edit audio stories for my entire lifetime so here i am cool and uh, Angel. Well, let's see. Why did I sign up? Um, well, like uh, like Grace, I wanted to get more involved in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, it was never, and I just always kind of wanted to, you know, because I haven't, this isn't something that I've known all my life, this uh, sexual identity or orientation or yes, whatever, words. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> so it's a... Uh, I only realized it kind of senior year of high school, so that's pretty recent for me. And I never really got a chance to meet other people, you know, who share the same orientation. Like, in my high school, it was a very, very liberal school. Like, very. People were super accepting and open up, and I was lucky to be in that kind of environment where I was able to be educated on it to the extent that I am. However, it was very focused on, you know, the, like, the more famous, I guess, sexualities. Like, are you... Um, mm. gay, are you a lesbian, are you bi? Mm -hmm. No? Okay, well then you ain't nothing. You know? <laughs> it's kind of like, so I didn't, it's kind of like that, so I didn't really get a chance to, you know, meet anybody else like me, and I, mm -hmm. I really wanted to, you know, embrace that part of me and learn more about not just, you know, people who identify with my same orientation, but other people's as well, and other underrepresented orientations. I guess that's something that, that never changes, really. People want to 
they want to identify with the familiar, right? Mm -hmm. They, regardless of the generation, they, you know, even even the your, your generation, it, you know, ours was like um, uh, straight, gay, that's it, <laughs> you know, and and then, but but now there is so much of a so much of a variation, but still people, they, I guess they just like, they like definitions, they like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say labels, but yeah. Some people do. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Grace, you said you're from Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Catherine's from Kentucky. Yes, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Angel, where, where were you from? Indy. Indiana. Okay. <laughs> Indianapolis, Indiana. Indianapolis, Indiana. All right. Awesome. Right uh, so, um, what other hobbies do you all have? What's, uh, what's something you enjoy doing? Uh, what are you involved in, Grace? Um, Currently, I am, well, I'm, you know, mostly involved in my audio engineering currently, but uh, my favorite club at school is my beekeeping club. So uh, we go down, we have, we have hives at a nature center, and um, we take care of the bees, learn how to beekeep, uh, trying to work on some sustainability stuff because the bees are dying worldwide. And yeah, yeah so it's, it's. A lot of fun. I love the bees. Very awesome. <laughs> I have I have a friend that I want to introduce you to who, okay. who is a beekeeper. That's great. Awesome. I feel like I'm really boring because I am a radio person to come here <laughs> to do radio, but all I everything else I do is American Standard Radio. And other than that, for my theater stuff, right I like I don't do fun things anymore. I all I do is work. Not for money though. So <laughs> um, See, I somehow doubt that. You, you're I, I think you're more like me and think you don't do anything fun, but then other people see you from the outside and are like, oh, oh my God, she, she does. You're having so much fun. fun. I mean, I am having fun, but it's just like all my time, like school is the last thing I ever think about. So like my priorities are American Student Radio and I'm <laughs> dramaturg for the Exonerated with the IU Theater Department. So what I, all I've done is research the death penalty since July. So it's like, <laughs> like I know a lot about the death penalty. I know a lot about six specific people who were ex exonerated from death row. I know a lot about really dark things and that's my life right now. So I don't, ha I don't have hobbies, but lately I've become interested in, I don't know, Appalachian studies. Right. So there's that. It's we that's we could do an cool. entire show just on that on that statement. You realize, <laughs> Catherine. I mean, I don't think I can top that. Um, well, mostly my hobbies include, you know sitting outside and talking to people like my friends not just random people on the street that's uh but um yeah i don't i'm in clubs but they're more clubs that i'm helping to start uh okay and um like i'm starting an asexual aero uh kind of club group at my school which i'm super excited about um i'm starting uh helping start up reporters without borders um Faction oh section yes. something uh, chapter. chapter chapter that's the word with Tony Fargo okay. yeah with Tony Fargo yeah. at a chapter at our school and um, there I feel like there was something else I'm doing but I forgot but um, most of the time it's just you know I'm talking to people um, or learning languages I love learning languages just for fun although you wouldn't know it I can only like have conversational Spanish and I know French okay um, but my thing that I used to be so in love with and like just have not had time to practice since I came to college was is taekwondo which explains the whole kicking over people's heads uh -huh, things all yeah. right watch out world <laughs> here I come <laughs> um, 
So is this going to, is it, uh, being involved with us uh, going to help you in your majors and is it going to help you in the future? Um, well, as an audio engineer, uh, I guess a little time with the engineering board here at the radio will um, probably benefit me in that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think all experience is good experience mm -hmm. um, in the industry and stuff like that. Um, writing for the show and whatever else you have us do, I, I'm, I think it'll all benefit the future. Yeah, and I was studying audio journalism, so the answer is yes. <laughs> Angel? Um, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I really like, I mean, my job, I'm planning on getting a job as like maybe a diplomat or something, so it'll be involved talking to people, and this is a lot of talking. I hope to do a lot more talking in the future with you guys. I love it. Um, so I don't know, maybe. I think there's something to be learned from any experience, like Grace said, so. Definitely. When we met a few days ago, I asked you to think up of uh, some goals that you have for the show. And I'm wondering if any of you have any goals <laughs> that you would like to talk about. No pressure. <laughs> Angel looks like she has a yeah, list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a really short list, and I'm not really sure, you know. I don't want to, like, offend or, like, overstep my boundaries because I don't know how far, like, along in some of these goals the show already is because I'm not too familiar with it. But um, Go for it. So the first one is to uh, grow the audience to, you know, like broaden our uh, reach to not only like the IU people, like students on the IU campus, but communities inside and outside Bloomington. So like, mm -hmm. like you said, I think we reach, you know, um, a large part of the population in Spencer, Indiana. So, you know, just growing our presence as, as far as we comfortably can. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a good goal. Um, and then, you know, just, uh, and this is going, to, I couldn't think of a better way to word this, so this is going to sound, let me explain. Gain <laughs> credibility as a radio station. Not that you are incredible right now. Not that I'm saying that at all. I'm saying, you know, there's always more. Like, we're, like, if you take some, any average Joe in the street and, like, tell him about, you know, this radio station, we're not, it's not like a, um, like, he's not going to choose to listen to, us over, you know, say NPR or like another more famous one. So that's what I mean when I say that. Or at least sure. he, he might not. I don't know. I don't know. The, I don't know, Joe. I don't know him that well. Um, <laughs> um, be, um, oh, maybe promote or partner with other uh, LGBTQA plus groups in Bloomington. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if we already do that or not, or to what extent we already do that. Not well enough. Right. Yeah, so, right. Definitely. You know, Definitely, like growing, like I said, growing our presence in the community as well, awesome. and um, growing social media presence. And mm -hmm. you know, I have on here DJ events question mark. I don't remember what I meant when I wrote that, but <laughs> DJ events. We'll flesh it out. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Yeah. Awesome. Either of you two have anything that you wanna wanna accomplish while you are here with us? Um, well, yeah, I think what Angel was saying about um, fleshing out the audience is definitely something that is a goal of mine as well, um, reach more listeners, that sort of thing. But um, I also would love to work with um, the music and getting more um, LGBTQ plus uh, musicians featured 
uh, like we did today. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just get to incorporate that culture into the radio station even more. Good. I feel like really self-serving and like selfish because I only thought of one personal goal, which is I want to become better at like audio journalism and, and like engineering. Um, yeah, because it's an interesting challenge to be like identify as LGBTQ media because I've worked for mm -hmm. like I've worked for the Indiana Daily Student. I've worked with um, American Student Radio and it's a very broad focus. And I will by choice be like, hey, I want to write about this gay thing. But otherwise, I'm just wondering like this thing I'm working on right now for my own American Student Radio episode that I'm hosting on Sunday. It's about Appalachian murder ballads for Halloween. Like I'm just <laughs> lost all the time. So I feel like Blooming Out is tightly focused in a help me like not wander and do whatever I do. We are looking forward to having you three help us out in the coming months and hopefully the coming years. And I hope you choose to stick around for with us for a while, but that is all the time we have tonight. And thank you for being here with us tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having yeah. us. Yeah. Very happy. You just heard from the newest members of our show, Catherine, Grace and Angel here hey. on Blooming Out on WFHB. Now it's time for our next music break of the evening. From AXXS.com, Ty Herndon will release his first new album in nearly three years with House on Fire, a highly personal and intense collection set to drop on November 11th. It is without a doubt the most honest and vulnerable album I've ever done, he previously shared. My hope is that anyone who hears these songs will catch a piece of his or her life through the music in my story. Herndon's story is an utterly emotional and empowering one. The country singer, known for such 90s hits as Steam and Living in the Moment, came out as a gay man back in 2014. At the time, he had said, I may be the first man in, the, in, in country music to sing a love song to another man, and I'm very proud to do that. Herndon joined a short list of gay country artists, which also include Billy Gilman, Brandy Clark, songwriter Shane McNamara, McAnally, that one's hard, uh, and Shelley Wright. With his new record, he notes he walked away feeling so complete, something he had never felt before with any of his previous projects. I am so thrilled to put music out that matters, he tells AXS.com in a recent sit-down interview. This video was made for my personal story, and it was made for every one of you precious souls who have fought for your right and privilege to be exactly who God made you to be. Every word written breathes the, the story of survival and faith. Put your own story and heart into every lyric, Hernan posted to Facebook. He continues, My wish is that you watch this video and know that you matter. From his latest al album, House on Fire, here's Ty Herndon with Fighter. I can see those black clouds rolling in Feel the fear creeping into my heart again Sometimes life's like a ruthless fight You can never win Can't listen to the doubt dragging round my soul Down every dead end midnight road Gotta choose to hold on to the truth I know so bring on the fire, try to burn me out 
Bring on the wind, try to knock me down Bring on the rain, all of the pain Cause I got a faith that'll never drown Just when you think I can't take no more I come back stronger than I was before Cause when I'm down in the dirt I'm gonna rise up even higher A fighter Gotta take just one more step And if I don't, I won't see the victory That's gonna come next So bring on the fire, try to burn me out Bring on the wind, try to knock me down Bring on the rain, all of the pain Cause I got a faith that'll never drown Just when you think I can't take no more I come back stronger than I was before Cause when I'm down in the dirt I'm gonna rise up even higher A fighter And when the smoke clears you'll see I'm gonna be back
Support for WFHB and Blooming Out comes from the back door, downtown Bloomington Square's bar, dance club, and venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows, air, and karaoke, there is something for everyone every day of the week. The back door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar. And more information can be found on Facebook or online at bckdoor.com. Now it's time for your weekly LGBTQ plus news roundup. The following is a blog post by Michelangelo Signorelli of the Huffington Post's Queer Voices about Donald Trump's long-held promise to pick rabidly anti-LGBT Supreme Court justices. Donald Trump made his intentions quite clear at the last debate and many times before. He will appoint justices to the high court very much in the mold of Justice Scalia. You can't hold up a better example of anti-LGBT extremism on the Supreme Court than Antonin Scalia, the most homophobic force ever on the court, who made hateful comments on and off the court about gay people for several decades. The late Scalia had compared homosexuality to bestiality, incest, and child pornography, and believed that banning homosexuality was similar to banning murder. Scalia not only wrote a blistering, unhinged dissenting opinion on the historic marriage equality case in 2015, or Burgerfell v. Hodges, he was virulently opposed to striking down sodomy laws, writing the dissenting opinion in the Lawrence v. Texas case in 2003, attacking the law profession culture which he claimed had signed on to the homosexual agenda. It's pathetic, as I pointed out again and again that much of the mainstream media has portrayed Trump as more accepting on gay issues than other Republicans, again grading him on a curve because he's not railing against gays like others have, while he has forcefully advocated for Scalia-like justices on the court, producing a list of 20. Not only do many of the judges Trump has listed meet that standard, but he has specifically said he would put them on the court to possibly overturn marriage equality. Back in January, Trump told the debate moderator, Wallace, that he was unhappy with the Obergefell ruling, which brought marriage equality to the entire nation. He'd rather it had been left to the states, which of course allows for rampant discrimination. It is interesting that Wallace, from his perch at Fox News, and certainly not a champion of progressive values, has been the only journalist interested in getting answers from Trump on this issue, while reporters at publications like the New York Times and Washington Post have given him a pass again and again, even portraying him as better on LGBT rights. When pressed by Wallace about appointing justices to the Supreme Court who would overturn the Obergefell ruling, Trump replied, I would strongly consider that, yes. It's difficult to imagine that ruling being overturned and the chaos that would ensue, but simply by pandering to those who desire this action, Trump is revealing the moral danger he is to LGBT rights. If not on a marriage equality, there are a whole host of issues about which Trump can hold back or reverse LGBT rights, and many of the judges he suggested he'd appoint would be primed to do so. Hillary Clinton, at the last debate, countered Trump's promise of Scalia-like justices very clearly. I want a Supreme Court that will stick with Roe v. Wade and the women's right to choose, and I want a Supreme Court that will stick with marriage equality. She has called for a full and comprehensive LGBT anti-discrimination law. The Equality Act, which would protect LGBT people in housing, employment, public accommodations, and other areas, would add LGBT people to the 1964 Civil Rights Act and was introduced in Congress last year. Clinton obviously believes such a law could 
would be held constitutional. That is, unless a Supreme Court with justices in the mold of Justice Scalia are appointed to the court and are able to preempt such a law by ruling against LGBT people in a variety of cases making their way to the high court. Trump, back in February, two weeks after the Wallace interview, promised evangelicals during an interview with the Christian Broadcasting Network to trust me to overturn the shocking and massive Obergefell ruling, and that this is something with which his anti-LGBT running mate, Mike Pence, Pence, surely agrees. What we need from Trump are fuller details about how he's going to get that done or how he expects the judges he'd appoint to the court will thwart LGBT rights in other ways. Trump and Pence Trump and Pence have both promised to defend religious liberty, code for allowing Christian business owners such as bakers and florists to use their religious beliefs to discriminate against LGBT people in their businesses. So how does he expect that will happen? Since Chris Wallace is the only interviewer who has per- pursued Trump on the issue, perhaps Wallace will continue to demand answers from Trump tonight. It's not something that only LGBT people deserve answers about. It's an issue that evangelicals for whom Trump claims to be fighting should have a clear picture about. And all Americans should see exactly what Trump believes, beyond his empty calls to protect LGBT people from foreign terrorism, when it comes to what many view as one of the most important civil rights issues of our time. From my sanantonio.com, an LGBT group has sued Utah over anti-gay school laws. A Utah lawsuit filed Monday seeks to open up a new front in LGBT rights following the U.S. Supreme Court ruling on gay marriage by challenging laws they say discriminate against LGBT students by by restricting talk about homosexuality in schools. The suit contends the law blocked teachers from helping a seven-year-old boy targeted by bullies for wearing girls' clothes because it prevented them from saying it's okay to be gay. The rule is one of several similar measures around the country, said Christopher Stahl, a lawyer with the National Center for Lesbian Rights, which joined Equality Utah on the lawsuit. The center may bring similar lawsuits in states like Arizona, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, South Carolina, and Texas. They're extremely stigmatizing to LGBT students, he said. They basically send the message that their identity is something that's too shameful to even be discussed in class. The state law was part of a wide-ranging sexual education bill passed with little dissent in 2001. It prohibits instruction on advocacy of homosexuality, along with contraceptives and sex outside marriage. The Utah State Board of Education adopted a similar rule the year earlier that applies to any class that covers marriage, childbirth, or parenthood. Utah's conservative Sutherland Institute said in a statement that the lawsuit is not the way to address an issue that has wide-reaching implications. The group said it would stifle the essential voice of parents on the matter. Gail Ruzica with the conservative Utah Eagle Forum said she worries the suit could also change a rule emphasizing abstinence before marriage. We don't want to advocate for any kind of sex in the schools. Ruzika said, laws like this have been challenged a handful of times of the last three decades, said Yale University law professor William Eskridge. 
Utah law could be vulnerable because it prohibits talk about homosexuality in particular, he said. The case marks the latest effort by LGBT advocates in Utah to tear down what they see as discriminatory practices in a conservative state that until recently was seen as a hostile environment for gays and lesbians. Utah's gay marriage ban was one of the first to be thrown out in December 2013, triggering a host of federal judges in other states to follow suit until the U.S. Supreme Court declared same-sex marriage legal across the country in the summer of 2015. That same year, Mormon church leaders gave key support to a state law that protects gay and transgender people from housing and employment discrimination, while also protecting the rights of religious groups and individuals. The tone from leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has softened in recent years on gay rights issues, though the religion still opposes gay marriage and believes homosexuality activity is a sin. Three of the plaintiffs in the case are Utah students, including a kindergartner who was targeted in a school bathroom, burned on a hot metal slide, and beaten by other students in Weber County for wearing dresses, the suit states. His mother was told in 2014 the law kept administrators from telling other kids it was okay to be gay or wear children's clothes, according to the suit. She eventually pulled her son out of school. The law's wording has led to a great deal of confusion among teachers about what they can and can't say, Stoll said. In 2005, the Nebo School District in central Utah wanted to replace their textbooks for psychology classes in high schools, but struggled to find any that didn't discuss homosexuality. In 2013, the Davis School District put a book about a lesbian couple raising children behind the counter and required parents' permission to check it out, citing the state law. The ACLU of Utah sued over the decision, leading the district to put the book back on the shelves. It creates fear in teachers, and the only way to comply with it is to not say anything about LGBT people and at and not say anything about same-sex marriage, said Clifford Rowski, an Equality Utah board member and University of Utah law professor. The lawsuit also challenges a law put in place in the mid-1990s that bans gay-straight alliance clubs at school. You Now it's time for our LGBTQ plus area event calendar. On Friday, October 28th, the 2016 Yes Film Festival in Columbus will screen The Guys Next Door, a story about a gay married couple who enlist a friend to be the surrogate mother for their babies. A Q&A with the film directors will follow. More information can be found on the Yes Film Festival's Facebook page. Also on the 28th, PRISM will be holding their annual fall costume bash. The event is open to those ages 12 to 20 and will be held at the UU Church. More information can be found on Facebook. PRISM Youth Community will host homelessness and the LGBTQ community on Tuesday, November 1st from 6.30 to 8 p.m. at the Uni- Unitarian Universalist Church. The Education Night will look at the effects of homelessness on the LGBTQ community. There will be a panel discussion and an examination of policies and how to make shelters safer and more inclusive. The event is open to everyone. 
Jane Ward, Associate Professor of Gender and Sexuality Studies at the University of California, Riverside, presents a free lecture titled, Not Gay on Thursday, November 10th, not gay on not gay on <laughs> Thursday. That's the name of the lecture. And that is on November 10th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. in the Frangipani Room at IU. Not gay is a thrilling dive into the way white men who identify as straight have navigated the waters of sexuality and identity since the late 19th century. More information can be found on the GLBT Student Support Office's website. So we're not gay on Thursday, JP. Is that, is <laughs> I think, that the word on the street? I think we're gay every day. Well, Actually, last time I checked, Ryan. Yeah, and, and we hold a nightly or a, a weekly show on Thursday that's, that's pretty gay. <laughs> right. <laughs> the IU McKinney School of Law and Indiana Legal Services will be on hand on Saturday, November 12th from noon to 4 p.m. at the School of Law in Indianapolis to discuss the process of name and gender marker changes for those who are transgender. Attorneys will evaluate each case for representation, but cannot promise each person will get an attorney for their case. Please also visit the GLBT Student Support Office's website for more information. That is tonight's LGBTQ event area, ca- area event calendar. If you would like to add your event to our event calendar, please email us at bloomingout at wfhb.org. We would like to thank you all for tuning in tonight. If you're interested in volunteering here at WFHB or for our show, contact volunteer at wfhb.org. You can also call us at 812-323-1200, tweet us at Blooming Out WFHB, visit our Blooming Out Facebook page, or find us on Instagram. The executive producer of Blooming Out is Joe Crawford. The producer is Ryan Shaddy. Our associate producer and board engineer is Sarah Hetrick. And our theme music is an original composition produced for Blooming Out by Aaron Gage. For Blooming Out and Jeff Pulling, I'm Ryan Shaddy. Please tune in again next Thursday at 6 p.m. or visit us online at bloomingout.com. Thank you for joining us on Blooming Out. Be sure to find us online for past episodes, behind-the-scenes exclusives, and more at bloomingout.com. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. for Blooming Out on WFHB.